I'm Judy Frazier, president and founder of We The Kids. We The Kids puts God back into America's history. Listening to We The Kids radio show will inspire you and your kids to have a positive American identity, clear direction, and a powerful purpose for your life. Thank you for listening. Welcome to We The Kids Radio Show for kids from 8 to 108. I am Arch Hunter, a father, a husband, and an historian. And I'm Lydia Nuttall, a mom and executive board member for We The Kids and author of Forgotten American Stories, Celebrating America's Constitution. And in the show, we're going to hear from the We The Kids Liberty Players. The mission of We The Kids is to put God back into America's stories, to help American kids be proud to be an American, to love and defend America's Constitution, and learn the principles of freedom that establish unprecedented freedom in our country so that they can preserve freedom in America. And that is so important. That's why we're doing this show. So we're glad you're listening. Today's Forgotten American Story. How did Chief Massasoit show kindness? On previous shows, we talked about the pilgrims celebrating the second Thanksgiving, and they had an abundance of harvest as a result of them becoming a free market, free enterprise system. And they also went through a long period of drought where they sought God for rain, and he brought rain. And so they fasted and they praised God for the saving of their crops and for the abundance of what they had from the past year. So, Lydia, did I pronounce (laughs) the name of the chief right, Lydia? Yes, Chief Massasoit. For the grandparents and parents and kids that are listening, just say sew it, like sew it up. It's Massasoit. That's an easy way to remember how to pronounce his name. Okay. So one of the quotes that I was dying to share in some of our previous shows, these Thanksgiving shows that we've been doing, is a quote by Edward Winslow, and we've never had time to do it. So I thought we'd squeeze it in here before we go on to Chief Massasoit and how he showed kindness to the Mayflower Pilgrims. So here it is. It's Edward Winslow, and he was a separatist who traveled on the Mayflower in 1620. He was one of several senior leaders on the ship and also later at Plymouth Colony. And both he and his brother, Gilbert Winslow, signed the Mayflower Compact. So that's who I'm going to quote right here. And it's regarding how the pilgrims had to importune their God for help so that they would not starve yet another winter because of this drought. Here they have all these crops coming in, beautiful ears of corn, beans, squash, etc. And there had been no rain for over two months. And they're watching everything wilt and shrivel up. And so when they fasted and prayed, this is what happened. Quote, but, oh, the mercy of our God, who was as ready to hear as we were to ask. For though in the morning when we assembled together, 
the heavens were as clear and the drought as like to continue as it ever was. Yet before our departure, the weather was overcast, the clouds gathered on all sides. On the next morning, distilled such a soft, sweet, and moderate showers of rain, continuing some 14 days and mixed with such seasonable weather, as it was hard to say whether our withered corn or drooping affections were most quickened or revived. Such was the bounty and goodness of our God, unquote. So I love that because... When all else fails, I think we as an American people or people all over the planet need to remember, at least my faith is that there's a higher power than me or you, Arch, (laughs) and we can importune that higher power to intercede on our behalf when there's nothing more that we can do. And that's what they did. And God came through for them. So, Lydia, would you please define that word you use it twice now, importune? Oh, goodness. Well, I <laughs> importune uh, to plead, to, uh, I will add, beg, be humble, be plead for help. Okay. Like, I'm not quite sure I ever heard that word before. Arch. You have taught me a lot of new words, Lydia, in the short time we've been together. How can we, Lydia, because when you said the last resort, how can we not make God the last resort as the pilgrims did not? What can we do to see that example through the pilgrims? I would like to say they kept remembering who got them there. It was miraculous that they made it across the Atlantic. They had so many obstacles in the way just to to cross the Atlantic, especially during unseasonable weather. I mean, during the fall months, the Atlantic can be really tumultuous. There's another vocabulary word for you. Tumultuous. Uh, okay. That one I know. <laughs> the kids out there, rock and rolly. It's it's not smooth. It's uh, lots of waves, storms, etc. They knew that was a miracle. They also knew it was a miracle that they survived the first winter. Not all of them, over half died, but they had gratitude for what they had because they had nothing. So anything that they got, whether it was rain when there wasn't any rain or finding a stash of seed corn that the former inhabitants, Native Americans, had buried. They found a stash of seed corn that enabled them to have something to eat through those winter months and survive. Being able to be taken care of by each other, most of them were sick. At one time, there were only about seven of them of the 50-ish remaining who were well, who had to take care of the remaining 43 sick members of that little colony and change their bedclothes, change their clothes, wash them, feed them, bring them water, bring them food, make the food, clean them up, etc. They had to do that for each other. And so to be grateful for their lives, for those that were taking care of them when they were sick. I mean, when you have an attitude of gratitude, and that's something we discussed in one of our previous shows, that's what helps It helped them survive even when the circumstances were very hard and beyond challenging. And having an attitude of gratitude for what we have in this nation is something very important, even if we have very little. But it keeps our hearts positive. And yes, turning to a higher power, God, for that which we have been blessed. Um, Even if it's just your cell phone in your hand and you have nothing else, you have a phone, you know, you have your life. 
Lydia, one of our friends, Jerry Newcomb, who has written many books and he helped uh, write, which I suggest to all of our listeners, George Washington's Sacred Fire. Jerry Newcomb has said oftentimes that his heart towards America is gratitude. And because his heart towards America is gratitude, his heart towards God is gratitude. Because we yeah. never forget what we have, but never forget who gave it to us. So you you know, that heart of gratitude. So talk to us, please, about the chief Massasoit. So he was the chief of the Wampanoag people who were living there, right where the Mayflower Pilgrims landed and started to establish living quarters for themselves so they could move off the Mayflower and have homes in which to live and a place to store future food when the crops came in, etc. And so... What's amazing about Chief Massasoit is how he treated the pilgrims, that he didn't just knee-jerk react when he saw these strangers come to his land, because he could have totally wiped them out. They were weak. They were struggling in health. They didn't have a whole lot of food. Sickness was among them. And so he could have just killed them all, had his people kill them all. And they had every, I don't want to say every right, because we don't have the right to kill people unless it's in our, to me, self-defense. Someone's going to take life. But they had had such horrible experiences, some of these Native Americans, with strangers that landed upon the American continent, such as, for instance, what were these men and women doing here? What are their intentions? Are they going to capture us, meaning the Indians, and sell them as slaves across the water to an unknown land, just like previous white men had done? Or were they here to unleash more terrible sicknesses upon us that had recently raged through their village and mercilessly brought death to nine out of 10 members of their village, the Wampanoag village? Uh, Did these really differently clothed people come to make war on them or did they come in peace? So for three months, Chief Massasoit, Massasoit assigned runners to watch these strangers and report back to him what they observed. Their location where they lived in the winter months was inland. It wasn't on the shore like it was. They moved closer to the shore in the summer months. So he had runners boys or young men to run back and forth and relay information on. Well, the runners were kind of like spies or spying on the pilgrims. Remind our listeners again, Lydia, please, what season of the year is this and what year is this? Yes, thanks for, yeah, context is important. So this is way back in 1620. And right now when we're doing this show, it's 2020. So it's exactly 400 years from the time that these Mayflower pilgrims encountered the Wampanoag people on the shores of Cape Cod Bay, which is in Massachusetts. And it's winter. It is freezing cold. It's November and December and January. Yeah, there you go. All right. So with these runners, Lydia, that the chief Massasoit had, what did he ultimately or what did he finally choose to do in response to these strange new people living in the coastline? Well, it's interesting because as these runners or these Native American spies, they noticed, oh, my gosh, 
those people, they just took some of our possessions. They took some of our seed corn that belongs to one of our tribe's families and they dug it up and they brought it on that boat that they're in and, and they even took some of our possessions and gosh, we should be justified in retaliating. You know, we've had some of our people enslaved before and, and now they're stealing from us. So we should retaliate and get rid of them. We should kill them all. But what made Chief Massasoit unique is that he started noticing the things that his people and these newcomers, these Mayflower pilgrims, had in common. For instance, the Mayflower pilgrims, they came with their families. They came with their wives and their children, whereas previous white men that had landed here on the American continent, they were just men. They were here to fish or to hunt, trap, hunt, bring back pelts back to the other side of the globe where they came from. And sadly enough, yeah, enslave the Native Americans and bring them back to the old world. And because, yes, you've got newcomers bringing germs with them to the new world that the Indians, the Native Americans weren't used to, their bodies weren't used to, these newcomers brought sickness and disease with them. Remember, the Mayfield programs were dying. Half of them died from sickness. Well, that sickness, if you're exposed to it, can transfer to you and you can die from things that maybe your body's not used to. And so what's awesome is he started seeing, well, these people were sick. Well, my people were sick also from previous diseases that other newcomers had brought. These people have families, women and children. Well, my village has women and children. These people are weak because they're hungry. Well, my people have experienced times of starvation before and weakness as a result. And so he started to have, I would think it's called compassion. And he also started thinking along with all these similarities that he was discovering by having his runners watch these people and kind of get a feel for who are they and what are they like. He also started thinking, I wonder if these people can help us and be allies against another Native American tribe that the Wampanoag people had to pay tribute to in order to keep the peace between the two. Otherwise, they're worried about this stronger tribe wiping them out yeah. as a people. Lydia, how did the pilgrims react to Chief Massasoit and this Native American tribe? Because you're telling our listeners how the Native Americans responded to the pilgrims. How did the pilgrims respond in kind? Well, what's funny is both groups were scared of each other because of the unknown. The pilgrims had heard horrible things. In fact, that was kind of a deterrent for them to not go to America when they're trying to seek for a place to have religious freedom and peace among their people. So what I find is interesting is both groups of people, the Wampanoag tribe, as well as the Mayflower pilgrims, were scared of each other. The Mayflower pilgrims almost didn't come to America or were hesitant to come to America because they had heard of horrible things that Native Americans had done to previous settlers or people who had come to land on the American shore. And on the other hand, the Native Americans, the Wampanoag tribe, were scared of the pilgrims because of their previous experience with others coming to their shore. 
of enslaving them or bringing sickness or, you know, it wasn't beneficial whatsoever or favorable what these other people had done to them. And in fact, a previous tribe that lived where the Mayflower Pilgrims chose to settle got totally wiped out from illnesses that other newcomers had brought to their shore from their lands and wiped them out. Squanto is one of those that survived because he happened to get enslaved, brought over to the old world. And so while his tribe was dying from this horrible sickness, his life was spared and he was able to come back later on to where his people used to live. That's how Squanto comes in is he was there and kind of needed a purpose of life. Can you imagine going back to your homeland and finding all your people wiped out? Yeah, lady, we see as time went on and, you know, you and I and so many of us, we don't shy away from the history of our country, the good and the bad. And we see over a long period of time exactly what happened to Native Americans in the long stretch of American history. And what can we learn and what have we learned from looking at the pilgrims and how they responded to the Native Americans compared to down the road 100 or 150 years how Americans responded to Native Americans and vice versa. And how does that tie to our lives today in relationships with people that have differences from us? Well, I guess the whole point of the story that I learned by studying about Chief Massasoit and his people is that they both chose to build a relationship on what they had in common with the Mayflower Pilgrims. And the Mayflower Pilgrims chose to build a relationship with the Native Americans on what they had in common and exemplified kindness to each other, regardless of each other's differences. That, to me, is a huge message for America and Americans today. We are all different, but can we build on, look for those commonalities that we have and exemplify kindness to each other, regardless of those differences? What are your thoughts? I keep coming back to, I'm listening to you talk about how the Puritans reacted to these Native Americans and Native Americans responded. And I think, boy, how far we have come away from that powerful point of finding common ground with people from all different backgrounds and ideas and thinking and showing kindness and graciousness to each other and how important that is. Do you think that that's a lesson that we have totally forgotten that we see in the Puritans? Yeah, I. if there's one big lesson that I would love to share with the world today is what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Do you remember that song from yesteryears? No, uh, I don't, Lydia. It's way before my time, okay? No, it's... I don't remember anything before the Beatles, so no, sorry. <laughs> well, if we want peace... We have to exemplify to our younger generation who are watching us as grown-ups how to handle each other when we are different, when we have differences of opinion or beliefs, differences in the way we dress or the way we look, that we ultimately, and we touched on this in a previous show, the founders of our nation stated in the Declaration of Independence that we are all created by our creator, and that we all have certain unalienable rights, all of us. So with that in mind, America was established on the principle that all men are created equal because we all have the same creator. 
that's a unique concept that I don't know any other country has been founded upon. And we're forgetting that. I think we've hijacked the word equal and we tend to promote it as, well, we all have to be equal in things. We all have to have the same money, same wage, same items, appliances. We all have to have a cell phone. We all have to have da-da-da-da-da. No, what equality means in the sense of the founding of our country is we all have equal opportunity and we all have equal unalienable rights that need be protected. That's why we have our United States Constitution that protects the rights, the unalienable rights of all people, everyone, regardless of our differences. We have a Supreme Court justice who popularized this phrase that we need to reject ideas, but not people. And the idea of, as you said, being humble and kind and finding common ground. And it's a shame that we can not continue to look at the Puritans and exemplify that feeling that they had with the Native Americans and the Native Americans had with them in our country. So finding common ground, showing kindness. And I will quote Lydia, a modern singer in this song when he says, be humble, (laughs) be kind, you know. So, well, thank you so much for that fascinating story and for the example of how these two groups of people, though they have tremendous differences in their culture and civilization, how they found that common ground and tried to work together in the early days in 1620 and the few years after that. So we want to invite everyone from 8 to 108 to ponder these thoughts this week. How does finding common ground and showing kindness to those who have different beliefs than us help us as well as them? How will you treat others who may be different from your own culture, your own dress, your own language, your own appearance, and your own beliefs? And something to think about is, did you know that over 35 million people can trace their ancestors back to one of the Mayflower pilgrims who came here 400 years ago in 1620? You could be one of their descendants. We like to invite everyone that's 8 to 108 to please join us again for We the Kids radio show and hear more forgotten American stories and continue to learn the principles of freedom so that we can all preserve our freedom. Don't forget to gather together as a family and listen to the We the Kids radio show and discuss these stories and principles that you learn. You can purchase Forgotten American Stories on the wethekids.us website. Thank you for supporting We the Kids. Well, now it's time to see what the We the Kids Liberty Players are up to. After a long and busy week, the Jackson family sits down at the kitchen table on Friday night to eat dinner together and talk about their week. Let's drop in on their conversation. Dinner looks great, honey. Thank you. Did you notice I made your favorite rolls? I put butter and raspberry jam on the table, too, for the rolls. I'm starving. Me, too. Me, three. Me, four. Can we hurry and say the prayer on the food? Okay, kids, settle down. Yes, Christelle, could you please bless the food? Sure, Dad. Dear God, thank you for this food that Mom has prepared. And thank you for Dad for working so hard so we can have it. Thank you for all our other blessings, too. Amen. That must have been a hungry prayer. Short, sweet, and to the point. 
Yes, Dad. I am hungry. Please pass the rolls. I want to eat one of Mom's rolls first. Pass the butter and jam too, please. How was your Taekwondo class today, Christelle? Good, Mom. Master John made us run extra laps and did 10 extra burpees than usual. I'm sure going to be sore tomorrow. I hate burpees. What are burpees? We have to do those in PE. You stand up and then you squat down. Then you kick your legs back so you look like you're going to do a push-up, but you don't do a push-up. You bring your legs back in so you're squatting like before. Then you stand back up. My PE teacher made us do 10 of them the other day. After I did five, I thought I was going to die. Looks like you survived. Oh, yes. We are happy you live to tell us about it, Ryan. Me too. Well, I had an interesting experience today. I was standing in line at the hardware store, giving my obligatory six feet of COVID distancing, and a woman came and just stood in front of me in line. I decided not to say anything, and I'm glad I didn't, because when she got to the cashier, she told her that her mother had just gone into the hospital, and um, I don't even think that she saw me standing there. I'm glad I didn't add to her anguish. Her cart had several bags of salt for her water softener. When I got out to my car, she had been parked next to me, and she was having a very difficult time putting them in her trunk, so I did that for her. That's wonderful, Al. Yesterday, I had an experience like that, too, where I chose to show kindness, even though I felt like being unkind. Would you like to talk about that, Hannah? Well, I was at my friend Maggie's house for a sleepover, and Mrs. Cooper made us this disgusting lasagna, and I wanted to push it away and say yuck, but instead I complimented her on the roll she made. Thank you for choosing to show kindness, Hannah, even when you did not feel like being kind at first. We are so proud of you. That takes a lot of discipline. And strength. Does anybody else have a story about how they chose to be kind? I do. I chose to be kind this week. So tell us, Karsten. How did you choose to be kind? Well, there was this one time when me and my friend were hanging out with somebody, but he started insulting us, so we just walked away. Kirsten, that's a great story of how you showed kindness. <laughs> Dad and I are proud of you, too. I have one, but it's kind of different. I forgot to bring my water bottle to Taekwondo class, and I was so thirsty. But another girl who was there had an extra water bottle and gave it to me. I thanked her. That's an example of how someone else who I didn't know very well showed kindness. That happened to me once. I forgot my lunch for a field trip, and my friends shared their lunch with me. That was kind of them, for sure. I ended up eating a better lunch than what I had packed and accidentally left at home. Ryan, do you have a story about how you showed kindness? Well, yes. I've been thinking about what I did this week to show kindness. I was at school, and my friend was being annoying. I asked him to stop, but he wouldn't. I wanted to yell at him, but I didn't. So we're still friends. Sometimes it's really hard to choose to be kind. Dad and I know that. It is good to remember that we can choose to be kind, even if sometimes it doesn't look as though any good will come out of it. Choosing to be kind makes us stronger and better people. Now, can somebody please pass your mother's rolls before all you kids eat them up? Okay, Dad. And so we see that all of us, from 8 to 108, have times where we are tempted to say unkind things to each other, or treat each other in unkind ways. However, we just learned that we can choose to show kindness instead. Just like the Jackson family, and just like Chief Massasoit and the Mayflower Pilgrims did that Mr. Arch and Miss Lydia talked about earlier. From us to you, we wish you all a very blessed Thanksgiving season. And... 
400th anniversary of the Mayflower Pilgrims' arrival to America on November 11th, 1620. Thank you for joining us on We the Kids Radio Show. Thanks for listening today. To help us preserve our republic, please visit wethekids.us and make a donation. The future of our nation depends on an informed electorate.